Good morning. We're living in turbulent times where anxiety would be the natural response, and yet the Lord reminds us that He is with us. And so on this National Day of Prayer, I think it's appropriate to share this prayer. It's called A Prayer for a Pandemic by Cameron Bellum. May we who are merely inconvenienced remember those whose lives are at stake. May we who have no risk factors remember those most vulnerable. May we who have the luxury of working from home remember those who must choose between preserving their health or making their rent. May we who have the flexibility to care for our children when their schools close remember those who have no options. May we who have to cancel our trips remember those that have no safe place to go. May we who are losing our margin money in the tumult of the economic market remember those who have no margin at all. May we who settle in for a quarantine at home remember those who have no home. As fear grips our country, let us choose love. During this time when we cannot physically wrap our arms around each other, let us find ways to be the loving embrace of God to our neighbors. Amen. And so amidst the chaos of the coronavirus, I want to offer a word about the Lord Jesus who has always been the Lord of the storm. You see, stilling storms is what Jesus has always done. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to read from verses 23 to 27. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. The scripture testifies that Jesus himself is God, for who else can with a word calm a storm? And today's story reminds us of the Spirit of God hovering over the dark waters in Genesis 1, making order out of the chaos. And so here we see Jesus on the waters. He's showing himself as Lord not only of people, but of creation itself. And don't we need to remember that Jesus is still Lord over all, including the storms of our lives? Right now the world is fixated on the coronavirus, and rightfully so, as we try to grasp how to battle an invisible enemy. In this time of crisis, individual lives, whole nations are being turned upside down. Right now the entire planet understands that life is fragile and that money security, or even your health are not guaranteed. The whole world is looking for an answer. Your neighbors are looking for answers. Dale Bruner tells a story. He says, in downtown Manila, there was once a large Pentecostal church with a huge sign on the roof that dominated the skyline from which that church got its name, which was the Christ is the Answer Church. Christ is the answer. That church's unusual name is an excellent modern definition of the word Christ, the answer. When Peter 
declares that Jesus is the Christ, what he is saying is, you're the answer, you're the point, you're the last word, you are the meaning, you are it, the Christ. You see, our world is looking for answers, and we have the answer. This is the time for Christians to find creative ways to show the world that Jesus is the answer, not just for surviving the chaos of the coronavirus, but the answer to our ultimate problem of sin, the sin that separates us from a loving and perfect God. It's time for the world to see that there's a true Savior who can calm the storm, and for Christians to rise up to the opportunity to show what true peace looks like. Perhaps God has called Christians has called the church for such a time as this, to point to the answer, Jesus, to point to him amidst a storm. See, for the Christian, a suffering world should not be a surprise, for Jesus says, in this world you will have tribulation. Nor should we be surprised that amidst the storms of life, Jesus is right here, never abandoning us. He's with you right now. The Bible says that he chose to come near and enter into our suffering, enter into our storms, but he wants to get our attention. For the Christian, this is our moment to shine, for light shines brightest in dark times. And if we pay attention, God will use us. Look at verse 24. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. I want you to focus on that word, behold. Because the Greek word for behold is edu, I-D-O-U. It's this little tiny word that means behold, look, pay attention. And so Matthew, the writer who put in that word, wants to get our attention. He himself was someone who was trying to find joy through the acquisition of stuff. He's trying to make himself feel secure. Matthew, you see, was a Jew who decided to join the conquering Romans to make money. Imagine France during the Nazi occupation and Frenchmen collecting taxes for Hitler. That was Matthew. And he says, behold, look, pay attention to this. The Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to put in this little literary device three times in chapter 8. Why? So that we, 2,000 years later, would pay attention for the Lord over the storm. See, Matthew had turned his back on his countrymen for his own financial gain and his own security, but Jesus changed his life. And now Matthew writes this story so that your life will be changed. Has God gotten your attention recently? He wants this to be a moment when you and Jesus have a heart to heart about the state of your life. Because many of us live distracted lives, or at least we used to. Sometimes it takes a crisis to get our attention. Matthew was trying to speak a word of life. He's trying to wake us up to choose life in Jesus. So he says, look, listen, pay attention. And Jesus is saying, I am speaking a word of life to you. Stop what you're doing and reassess everything in light of my perspective, King Jesus says. When is the last time you've stopped? and taken time to reassess everything in light of Jesus' perspective. See, he promises he is coming back, and he says soon, and he wants you to know that he's coming, and he wants you to ask yourself, are you ready? 
Jesus is saying to you and to me today, look, pay attention. I'm here, so call out to me. This storm is real and you need me. You see, for the season of Lent, we gathered for Ash Wednesday a couple weeks ago. Having ashes affixed to our foreheads or our hands reminded us that death awaits us all. And that without Christ, we are hopeless. We are nothing. From death we came and death we shall return. And right now, Jesus is reminding us, the whole planet perhaps, that if you know Christ, you can face any storm, even loss, even sickness, and yes, even death with Christ. See, Lent is this season, these 40 days leading up to Easter, beginning with Ash Wednesday. And we had dozens of folks gathering with us in worship with the affixing of the ashes. Two weeks ago, most of us didn't realize that a storm was coming, but God did. This is a season to meditate on the life of Christ and also to reflect on my own life. Where is God in my life? Do I really trust him? Have I been attentive to the reality of the depth of my sin, the depth of my need for a Savior? Have I been depending on my substitute saviors? Money, security, comforts, my looks, my resume, even good things like my family or my job. Good things that could become ultimate things that can replace the true Savior. Or have I been depending on Jesus, my Savior, solely? May we ask ourselves, what am I to learn in the midst of this storm? Matt, Mark Laberton says this about the season of Lent. He says, we don't walk through Lent as an act of self-flagellation. We do it as a way of habituating to ourselves the story of what is real, that we live in an ordinary world made by God for good and marvelous ends, but which is tragically broken. And when we come through the season of Lent, we come to the opportunity to remind ourselves in a sustained way that I want to live in the ordinary, but in light of what is ultimate. So Jesus says to us, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. Don't worry and run after all these other things. Jesus is saying, I'm the ultimate thing. Put me first. Lose yourself in me, and you'll find me, but you'll also find yourself. That's the promise of the Lord of the storm. Give him your anxiety in this season of Lent. This crisis has awakened the realization that we really are going to need to depend on him, like really depend on him. So allow him to bring you his peace. He won't abandon you in the storm. Cry out to him. And find him ready to be near. And for some of us, cry out to him perhaps for the first time in a long time. You know, our Reformed Presbyterian tradition emphasizes what we call the perseverance of the saints. What that means is because since God is fully sovereign, completely in control, and who was the one who pursued us in our salvation, that means that we cannot undo his effort that we cannot outsin God's grace. And for those who truly give their lives over to Christ, to take control of their lives, God promises to hold on to them, no matter the storm. Jesus says that believers are in the hand of the Father and that no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Who is stronger than God? 
No one could undo his love, his great grip of grace. See, there's no storm that threatens to separate us from him. See, see for the Christian, Romans 8, 28, says that God can take the bad in our lives and make something good out of it. And this is the promise for all who know Jesus as their Lord. But maybe you're not sure if Jesus is with you. Some people I know used to go to church, but no longer see it as relevant. Maybe you used to sing praise songs and worship God, but when God failed to answer that certain prayer, you decided that God didn't work for you anymore. Or maybe something bad happened to you and you decided that if God would allow that bad thing to happen, then I don't want to have anything to do with that kind of God. You see, but the reality is that I want you to know that you can still cry out to Jesus in the midst of the storm. He'll help you because God is good and present even when you think he isn't. Look at verse 24 again. I hope you notice this. It says, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. Well, who's the he? It's Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the storm. Jesus is asleep while the disciples are fretting for their lives. How can Jesus be asleep when the world is falling apart? It may feel like he's far, but I promise you, he's right here. He's right there with you. He's there among us and even waiting for us to cry out to him amidst the storms. And the reality is that Jesus wanted to come for you in the middle of the storm. Pastor Tim Keller says this, he says, Jesus was thrown into the only storm that can actually sink us, the storm of eternal justice, of what we owe for our wrongdoing. That storm wasn't calmed, not until it swept him, King Jesus, away. If the sight of Jesus bowing his head into that ultimate storm of the cross is burned into the core of your being, see, then you'll never say, God, don't you care? And if you know he did not abandon you in that ultimate storm, what makes you think he would abandon you in the much smaller storms you're experiencing right now? And someday he will return and still all the storms for all eternity. Friends, you need the Lord of the storm. Whether you've known Jesus as Lord for a long time or perhaps are coming back to him or saying yes to him for the first time, he is ready to hear our cry for help. You see, Jesus has always been a Lord over the storm, Lord over the chaos. In fact, in John chapter 1, John, the writer, calls Jesus the Word of God, the Logos, which means that Jesus was present at creation which mirrors the opening lines of Genesis chapter 1. John 1, in many ways, is a new Genesis 1. And so when Jewish readers would read this story of Jesus waking up to calm the chaotic waters, they would immediately would think of the Genesis story. They would, they would see that the Lord Jesus who calmed the waters in Galilee is the same Lord who calmed the chaotic waters at creation. That Jesus was there at creation. And now he's pointing back to the work he did at creation, making order and calm out of chaos. And also it points to his future work, when all chaos and all death will finally be vanquished. And so that means from the very beginning, Jesus has taken upon himself the task of calming storms. Ancient Jews believed that the sea was symbolic of evil and separation 
from God. So that's why in Revelation 21, at the end of the Bible, when the new heavens and new earth are envisioned by the same writer, John, that John notes that there was no more sea. When God gives him a vision of this future heavenly earth, there's no more sea. Well, why? Because the readers would understand this to mean that there was no more separation from God, no more crying, no more pain, no more cancer, no more viruses, no more insecurity, no more loneliness, no more isolation. Jesus' power over the storm in Matthew points to the fact that he came as God himself to enter ultimately into the storm of the cross, defeating it through his death and resurrection. And because of the cross, in the midst of suffering, you can recognize God's real presence and recognize that Jesus is Lord over every distress and every doubt. Because Jesus took the cross, the ultimate storm, we can have his peace, not just in the future, but right now. Right now in you, wherever you are. Because of Jesus. Because he doesn't abandon you when you doubt his goodness. He is still there. And he comes in the midst of our little faith. He comes near to the hurting. He comes to the broken. You see, because Jesus knows how to deal with the storms that we face. And by conquering the storm, Jesus brings you into the life of salvation, which is ultimate peace, ultimate love, ultimate rest. Let me ask you, do you have peace right now? Trust in Jesus, the one who has been conquering storms since creation and conquering the storms of the cross and conquering the storms in his final consummation when he returns. Put your trust in Jesus the Lord over the storms. See, in Matthew 8, verses 23, all the way to chapter 9, verse 8, you see Jesus encountering person after person who is suffering. First, Jesus calms a storm, and then Jesus heals two men with demons, and then Jesus heals a paralytic. So first, it's deadly storms, and then it's demon-possessed men, and then a disabled body. Jesus demonstrates in this section what life looks like when he comes near. I want you to realize in the story of the storm that 700 feet below sea level sits the Sea of Galilee. And Mount Hermon, just 30 miles to the north, is 9,200 feet high. And so cold air descending from the mountains mixed with the warm air rising from the Sea of Galilee. And regularly there are storms, big storms. And Jesus' disciples were professional fishermen in these waters. They were used to these storms. But this storm was different. They thought perhaps for the first time in their lives that they were going to die. All looked lost. Death was inevitable and Jesus is sleeping. Where is God asking you to trust him? Where are you anxious? Does God feel far from you right now? See, three times in this section, Matthew uses the Greek word edu. Remember, look, behold, pay attention. Matthew wants us to know without doubt that Jesus is Lord over deadly storms, over demon-possessed men, over our disabilities and sickness, and over anything that is causing us to doubt his goodness. See, from creation to the cross to his final consummation, he is Lord and Lord over the storm. So Jesus is here today with you, with me, to proclaim that he is Lord over your chaos. Let that sink in. Perhaps today you have an anxious mind. You worry about the future, relationally, physically, financially, or spiritually. You are rattled by chaos. 
You don't know what to do or whom to turn to. One week ago, you never thought you'd be struggling with the specific circumstances that you're going through right now. I need to tell you something. God has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned you in the storm. He may seem asleep, but he is true to stay with you. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. He will not let us go. For all who have called on his name, this is the promise. See, Jesus is Lord over every chaos in our lives. And he entered into the storm of our lives so that one day we could escape the ultimate storm through him, through his life, death, and resurrection. You see, in Mark's version of the story, in Mark chapter 4, the disciples actually dare to ask Jesus this, Don't you care if we drown? You might think yourself, our, our lives are at risk. My life has been turned upside down. I don't know where to turn. Jesus, don't you care? Trust me, Jesus can handle it when you say, where are you, God? You're not alone if that's how you feel today. He's not repelled by you asking, do you care? Look at verses 24 and 25 again. Behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And this whole section is like an earthquake, and literally the word for storm in this section is seismos, which is like an earthquake. This seismos came over the lake. This big earthquake, think of one that you've been in, that makes you think that your life is over. You see, when something like that happens, when a seismos comes, fear is natural. And then you look at verse 26. And he said to them, why are you afraid of you of little faith? Jesus actually literally calls them little faiths. He's challenging them. Why do you have such little faith? Don't you know who you're with? The Lord over the storm? And they didn't. But the amazing thing is that Jesus still answers their prayer for help, even with little faith. So the point is, is that even when our faith is excessively fearful, even when it's small, Jesus hears, gets up, rebukes the seismos in our lives, and creates peace. Notice that Jesus didn't say, well, I'm going to help you once you improve your faith, once you get your act together. No, he takes us as we are. And if we come with hardly any faith at all, but some faith in him, he still responds. See, what matters ultimately is that Jesus helps us even in our weak faith. And so don't wait until your faith is strong or your finances are better or your health improves to come to Jesus. No, come to Jesus now with whatever little faith you have. Maybe for the first time, come to Jesus now and admit you need the Lord over the storm. Tim Keller says, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. In other words, if you're falling down a cliff, it's better to grab a strong branch, even if you have weak faith in the strength of the branch. It's better to do that than to have great faith in a weak branch that's going to break on you. Jesus is the strong branch that even with weak faith, if you hold on to him, he will hold you completely. Do you have weak faith? Well, then hold on to the strong branch. 
Don't be afraid to cry out to Jesus. The point of the story is that Jesus will take on the ultimate storm of the cross and he will even respond to weak faith when we are in the storm. So come to him. Because he still comes when we cry out. He still answers. He still loves. So cry out to him in this season of storm. He hears, he listens, and he responds. A Christian cancer patient from New Zealand some years ago wrote this in the midst of going through chemotherapy treatments. He said, May God's love spill out into your lives in unexpected ways in the next weeks. Once again, that could be merely a pious conclusion, couldn't it? But this is the astonishing thing we have come to know that the God of the beginning of the universe, the God of human history and its long prehistory, the God of the seven billion rejoicing, suffering, hoping, aching people on our planet, nonetheless meets us personally. This God listens to what we say. He's interested in who we are and is passionate about what we might become. And he walks alongside us in the chances and challenges of life. It's outrageous and improbable and true. Do you know this God of this cancer patient who knows this God so intimately? Do you know this same God? This God who makes his presence and love known amidst the most difficult of circumstances. Even when facing your own death. See, even if you have little faith that Jesus can calm your storm, he still comes near when you cry out to him in faith. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 44, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man, which is Jesus, is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus says he is coming because the reality is we're all going to die. And I don't mean from the virus. But the last time I checked, the death rate for humans is still 100%. But Christians uniquely have hope no matter what storm comes, even death. So are you prepared for Jesus to come? Are your friends, family, and neighbors ready to die because they know the Lord who calms the storm? Have you told them about the one who enters into the storm so they can have the path to escape it in him? See, Jesus, who suffered, died, and rose again, is ready to save all who call out to him. So don't waste another moment. Jesus cares about you. He cares about your storm. This is exactly why he came. This calming of the storm story appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. There's an interesting version of it in the gospel of John. You don't have to turn there. But in John chapter 16, there's another storm story of Jesus and the disciples. But instead of calming the storm in John, when Jesus steps into the boat, they have been immediately transported to their destination. So in John's story, Jesus is not just Lord over a storm, but he's actually Lord over space and over time as well. And so what that means to me is that Jesus is Lord over time and space in such a way that wherever you are right now, or whatever day or time it is, that he is truly present with you as you hear these words of hope. As we hear the word of God, God is with you. Can you sense his presence right now? Because Jesus is really present with you 
with me. And he not only understands your fear, but he cares about your storm. And he promises his supernatural presence that defies the boundaries of space and time. He wants you to know that nothing can stop him from coming near if you cry out to him. Nothing. Even if you have just a little bit of faith, hold on to the strong branch of Jesus Christ. And with your little faith, pray that the Lord of the storms will ease the chaos in your heart. That's why he came. And so would you please join me in a prayer? Jesus, we know that you are Lord of the storm, but often my faith is weak. And so thank you for being the strong branch that we can hold on to, even with weak faith. And Lord, we want to experience you as Lord of this particular storm. So give me the peace that surpasses all understanding. Give me eyes to see those who are living in fear and suffering. And may I bring your love in practical ways in the days and weeks to come. Lord, Lord Jesus, come soon. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to, in closing, thank you for joining us today. We want you to stay connected to you and keep you updated. So email us at info at carmelpress.org or follow us on Facebook or call us at 831-624-3878. In the coming weeks, we'll offer some Bible studies, prayer times, group discussions online. And I want to ask you to take a step of faith. Would you share this message with someone? Would you post it on Facebook? Email it to your friends and family. You just may introduce someone to the Lord of the storms for the first time. Forward them the message, invite them to watch, invite them next week to do this again. And then I want to also leave you with some practical advice. We're going to continue to offer our online spiritual content during this very disruptive season when we're being encouraged to avoid large public gatherings. I know that's hard. And especially for those who are in the at-risk category, we hope you'll limit your gatherings at most to 10 people who show no signs, of course, of being sick and keeping distance when you're with them. Still practice all the safety precautions of washing hands and staying home if you're sick. And also we're asking you to pray with us in this season. Pray on your own. Pray in small groups. Pray online with us. And let us know how we can pray with you and for you. Would you also please continue to support the ministry? You can give online, you can mail a check, you can go to our website for more options. Our offices will be open during our regular hours as well. Third, thirdly, would you look for opportunities to serve? Let us know if you can help someone in need or maybe you have a need. Friends, I'm telling you, this storm will pass, but we need to work together with the entire global community to do our part as we continue to worship King Jesus without fear, with great hope, and proclaim him, proclaim this King, the Lord over every storm. So let's keep praying, let's keep giving, let's keep serving as the Lord leads. And now let me give you a benediction from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. We pray this trusting in King Jesus, the Lord of the storm from the beginning to right now until the very end. Amen. Go with God's peace. God bless. And we'll see you next week.